Welcome to The Cleaning Podcast, dedicated content to answer all of your cleaning how-tos with the industry's most knowledgeable experts. If you need to clean it, sanitize it, deodorize it, and or otherwise remove from it all unwanted matter, you're in the right room. Today, I'm privileged to introduce a very special expert guest, Bruce Deloach. He is an IICRC-educated teacher. We've known each other for well over a decade. Uh, He's the president of The Cleaner's Coach. I have a lot of respect for Bruce. And today, he wanted to talk about some of the things that you can be doing now in this current crisis to be moving your business forward. So we're going to chat about that and some options that you have available to you. We'll stay away from Corona specifically. Like, I don't want to dive into that here. So this won't be that show. If you need that show, we did this over a month and a half ago with Perry Tate. Go listen to that. Um, I'm going to start off with the introduction to a blog post that I wrote. I was fortunate to be joined with the um, Blue Collar podcast yesterday, and they pulled this out from a piece that I wrote last Friday. Um it went very well, and so I thought I'd do the same thing here to help start our conversation. I know Bruce has been coaching a lot of businesses through this hard time, and uh, where we're at right now is just a whole other world. So hopefully we'll be able to provide you guys with some benefit and value, and maybe perhaps even some direction. Here's the intro to the, pod, uh, to the blog post. Get back to work. You're an entrepreneur. This is not a vacation. If you need some time to get your head right after making some very hard decisions over the last few weeks, do that. Then get back to work. If you're able to keep your business after a few months in lockdown, then take this time to do all the things you've never had time to do before. Get your books in order. Take that accounting class. Read. Study. Read some more. Master your CRM. Find out what a CRM is. Start setting to know your most important vendors. Get your business systems in place. Build a few spreadsheets. Create a few dashboards. The list is endless on how you can use this time to work on your business. If you're thinking of shutting down, lick your wounds and get back to work. Most entrepreneurs fail four times before they get it right. Not all of those failures are due to a global pandemic, though I get it. But my point is, you have a clean slate. You can take everything you've learned, everything you've experienced, everything you've done, and use that to create something new, a new idea, a new purpose. Don't be afraid to go outside of your comfort zone. Just know that your lack of understanding is simply a measure of how much you need to learn. Embrace the change and build a stronger version of yourself and your business. So I think that touched a little bit on where you were headed, Bruce. Um, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people are sitting it out or watching, binge watching Netflix. Um, if you're a real entrepreneur, you're probably suffocating right now if you're not able to move the ball forward. So I'm hoping Bruce can shed some light on some stuff that we can do as uh, cleaners and restoration professionals um, to strengthen our businesses, to use this as an opportunity. So, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, it's a it's a privilege, and it's fun for me to do this. So, thanks so much for the invitation. 
So um, just what are you advising people at this time? They got to be freaking out. Well, it's um, it's it's a it depends on the individual. Um, I do coaching for uh, multiple companies right now, and uh, we have these uh, sessions. So, in other words, we do a Zoom face-to-face meeting, and uh, I've got you know clients who are on both ends of the spectrum of how they're handling this. So, some people are really just diving headfirst into figuring out all the different ways that they can serve the community and they can serve their uh, you know, serve their existing clients. And, and they're also developing new contacts and, and moving into other areas that they never explored before. And they're relishing that. So, you know, that's the, that kind of goes back to your introduction to your blog post. And then I've got other clients who are literally, it seems, you know, just circling the wagons, pulling their blankets over themselves and just hoping that after they come out of this, uh, that their business is still intact. And then there's everything in between. Um, you know, everything that you said at the beginning, um, when you were talking about, you know, get out there, get back to work, uh, this isn't a vacation, that's, that is really tough love speak. And, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to hear that now. I mean, that's kind of my MO. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I see a lot of amazing people who are just, they're their own worst enemies a lot of the time. Um, the bottom of this particular piece, I've, you know, if you, anybody who's been following knows, um, I've been on this logic, formal logic kick. Um, cause you know, we homeschool our children and we give them a formal logic education starting at uh, 12 because, uh, Aristotle figured this shit out in 300 BC. It's really not that hard, <laughs> but, but most people can't construct a syllogism or, um, you know, and we are our own worst enemies when it comes to bias. And social media puts us in echo chambers. And so it's real easy to get caught up in um, what you're doing. And entrepreneurs are the worst because their behaviors as a, you know, new business, uh, a single warrior, man, those values that allow you to succeed, a lot of those need to be shed in order to move to king. War, you know, go watch Thor. <laughs> you know, you could be a, an amazing warrior but you will fail as a king if that ego and that, um, you know, that stick to it and, and die at all costs and get it done no matter what. If those, if those mindsets are what have helped you create this, we're pattern recognition experts as the human species. And we'll say, no, I have to keep doing the same thing I was doing before because that's what made me successful. Not realizing that it's that mentality that's going to, you know, not do you service and this is exactly what we're seeing, I think, in the United States. You know, the Asian culture is very submissive. Uh, and so when they put things in place, it was just, okay, that's the new normal. This is what we're going to do. Um, and the United States is such a rich history of making things happen off of an independent spirit. Spirit. At this point in time, that's the thing that you got to watch out for. So, I, you know, I love coaches um, who – understand those intricacies and i know that you do so talk to us a little bit about you know how they can maybe look at things in a different perspective so they can get on this train because i think the people who are um driven and are taking this opportunity to move into this brave new virtualized digital world um you know they just need a checklist so they're easy. It's the ones that are pulling that blanket, like you said. We need to talk to them. 
what can we give them? Well, um, one of the things that, um, you know, I kind of broke it down into an acronym. I love acronyms because it helps me to just have these little uh, tick points uh, to, um, uh, to, to remember things by. So, you know what the word cloister means? No, that's a new one to me. Well, a cloister is kind of like a closed in sheltered area, you know? So if I say we're, we're cloistering, it's kind of like sheltering in place. Right. Um, so, and so cloister is, is my new acronym because it kind of, what I'm about to say isn't, isn't the definition. So for instance, business owners, one of the things uh, that they don't have enough time for, and this is, this is critical. They don't have enough time to coach their people. That's what they're always saying. Oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to come up with systems, procedures, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and then coach my people to that. Well, guess what you have a lot of right now? You got a lot of time. So the first, uh, for the first you know, letter is, is to coach. And I'm going to rip through these because there's no way we can cover all of them, but I think people will get the point. So the first thing is start coaching your people. The second one is to learn. You got to learn what you need to know so that you can move forward and continue to be relevant to not only the people that you already serve, but to the thousands of people that are going to need your services when things start to break loose. There's businesses, there are government facilities, there are libraries, there are schools. You think about all of these buildings that on an ongoing basis are going to have concerns, uh, you know, uh, about this whole thing now heightened so, concerns and just touching on that point because I, I don't want to rush through this stuff we've got time so you okay. know, this is a leisurely conversation now i don't want you selling your whole book not because i don't think it's a value because i want people to buy your book right <laughs> i don't have a book <laughs> no i know but you <laughs> have a course great. you have courses you have courses okay. so um and no and we're all about bringing value but you know i i think that um the pivot here a little bit is going to be the knowledge that there's some givens after the situation clears. And one of them is there will be less businesses to serve the market. And then there's a market change that's going to happen. And you can mm. postulate either an increase in market demands or a decrease in market demands. And, I, and I'm thinking it's going to be simultaneous. My guess, complete hypothesis, is that commercial work is going to have a larger market share because they're going to be more concerned with communal locations and that residential properties are actually going to take a bit of a hit because the people who were, you know, could afford it, but it did stretch them a little bit. They may decide not to do that now only because why invite somebody else in the home, bringing contamination from other properties. And so I think you're going to see a mild shrinking of the residential market and an increased demand of specialized services in the commercial markets, just like kind of what you were touching on. But combat that with a reduction in overall businesses at the end who are able to provide these services and they're all going to be fat and happy if they do it right if you take this time right now to set yourself up properly okay carry on sir okay yeah so that's perfect and that that falls straight into to learning but this this the next thing that has to happen cl now we're o is organized that's another thing you, you talk to business owners and say i got to get this organized I got to get that organized. I don't have time to organize. Well, guess what you have time to do now? So, you know, not only do you have to organize what you already have, but you need to organize your, you have to organize your thoughts. You have to organize uh, your resources so that when you move forward again, when things start to break loose, uh, you're prepared. The next one is inspire. 
And this can go out in multiple directions, but I specifically want to say that leaders need to inspire their people. They need to inspire their people by helping them understand their value, uh, how much they can serve the community. Um, you know, they need to inspire them by, by giving them hope and confidence that they're necessary. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot to that. Uh, so oh, well, let's, let's touch on that for a second, sure. um, because as a bullet, bullet point, that's nice. I can imagine myself sitting there looking at the whiteboard, seeing inspire, right? Yeah. What the hell does that mean? What, how does a business owner who doesn't necessarily have natural leadership tendencies, who's able to maybe hire people and make the payroll and keep the machine going, but not build that culture? How do they, how do they inspire or how do they learn the skill to inspire? I'm so glad you said skill. Uh, first of all, the word inspire, it's like one of my favorite words. And, and when I break down uh, what it is that I do, whether it's in the classroom or with coaching, uh, my goal is to inspire people. And to inspire, it literally means to breathe into. And so when I say that I want to inspire someone, I want to breathe some kind of an emotional response or a, or a philosophy or a belief system or some type of strength into them. And you can't do that unless you have it yourself. Now, there's all kinds of ways to go out there and learn leadership. There's books on leaderships, uh, leadership. There are coaches who will teach you leadership. There are even leadership apps out there. Um, but really what leadership is, if you want to put it in a nutshell, leadership is your ability to, first of all, create a vision for yourself, for your business. And that vision has to be an inspiring picture of the future of your business, where you're going, what you're going to do, and what those rewards are going to be. And then you have to transfer that belief into other people. And that's not just sitting in a meeting, like you said, with a whiteboard and just writing down, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. You've got to bring them into the process. In other words, you have to start asking people, what is it that they want out of life? You know, where do they want to go? Where do they see the business? And too many business owners don't bring their people in or they do it as a one and done. So this isn't something you can do quickly. Um, if you're if you're in that place that you're talking about being a business owner who typically doesn't think about inspiring and motivating their people, then you've got to learn it. Yeah, I I uh, I often say that if you can bring people into your vision so much that it you can make it their own, then you can lead them to war. So as business owners, it shouldn't be too difficult to get people on the same page to build a healthy, thriving culture. Um, and that is 100% on the business owner's shoulders. It is your fault. Uh, and all the way down to, you know, it's your fault they show up late. It's your fault that they smell like pot. And it's your fault if they don't uh, treat Mrs. Jones well. And the beauty of it, if when you when you say that it's your fault, because a lot of people, they'll hear that and they'll think that's a negative thing. And then they want to start to assess blame and explain. But when you preach, Dr. Bruce, tell them, <laughs> tell them what it's your fault means, because it's empowering. Yes, it is empowering. When you say it's my fault, then you're saying I can change it. But when you're saying that this happened because these people are this, these people are that, and you start playing the blame game, you become the victim and you can't change that. Boom. That's exactly right. Okay. Carry on, sir. 
Uh, well, the next one, uh, let's see, is to serve. And this is one that a lot of business owners miss out on. They think I'm the boss. People are supposed to serve me. They got to bring me my coffee. They got to do this. They got to do that. Um, I have a staff. You know, they like to, oh, yeah, my staff. Let me tell you something. If you're a business owner and you think that your job is to be served by your people, then you're already off on the wrong foot. Your job is to provide them everything that they need to be able to rise to the greatness that they potentially have within them, that you inspire within them. I love the word that you used, culture. Too many businesses, the culture is there's the boss, there's management, and then there's the rest of us. It, it, it really should be that the boss serves the managers, the managers serve everybody else. And then everybody else serves the customers. And as long as it flows in that direction, then the money will flow in the other direction. So, you know, that that one is to serve. So serve your customers within and, of course, serve your customers outside the business. And here's my take on that, um, because let me see. I was thrown into a leadership position at 21, had to fire half the staff. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I look at it like this. Uh, it's time to throw away the grandfather's employee manual. We are not building pyramids. We're building trees. You're not at the top. You're at the root. And your job is to provide support to the people who provide support to the people who actually do the freaking work. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, that's it, man. <laughs> my job, my, and it's even made more interesting now that we're completely virtualized because I can run it from my phone. Everybody comes to me so that I can clear obstacles for them so that they can do their job. And then, you know, I also have to make sure that I'm giving an environment where, and this is an insidious little secret, but in order to get the most out of employees, you have to leverage their passions. Mm. And so, um, you know, in that educational environment that we create, leveraging passions is the fastest way to get loyalty, buy-in, and someone who's willing to freaking bleed for you. So it's, it's good stuff, but yes, upside down pyramid, you are the support, you're the roots. It's the tree you're growing. Bam. And if you're the roots, that means you got to be willing to be in the dirt. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. And the leaves, you know, the leaves will fall and fall. That's it. <laughs> uh, the next one, the letter T is for train. And, uh, that's a, that's another one of those, uh, two or three prong approaches. Uh, first of all, we already talked about the fact that leaders need to be training all the time. You need to be learning, learning how to inspire, learning how to organize, learning how to serve, all of that good stuff. Um, but you also should take the opportunity, and this isn't just me being self-serving, but I can't tell you how many times we as instructors hear this. I can't afford to send my, my people to class uh, because they might quit. I can't afford to send my people to class because we don't have enough time. I can't afford them being out of the field. I can't send my people to class because we're slow right now and I can't afford the money. Well, if you can't afford it when you're busy, when you're slow and in between, then the problem isn't the situation. The problem is you. And the problem is that you don't value your people. So whether it's my training, IICRC training, leadership training, uh, basic skills training, whatever it is, this is a perfect opportunity to train your people in additional skills they may not already have. And you really tripped on something. You're familiar with Ed York, are you not? Yeah. So Ed York's one of the late great leaders of our industry. He actually invented the whole damn thing when uh, 
Sears came into his house one day and shampooed his rug. Didn't you work for him or something at some point? Or? No, he's my grandfather-in-law. Ah, gotcha. Um, okay. And he created the IICRC. He created uh, Steamway Services. He created the distribution model that we have today. He, I mean, the list goes on, right? SCRT, so on and so on and so on. And so, um, you know, he died an old cantankerous old man, though, and, and, and not any money. Uh, so how did the grandfather of our industry get there? And I, I can sum it up back to what exactly what you were saying. I was sitting around the kitchen table with him one time, and he was talking about an employee quitting and he was just all pissed off about it that the employee only gave him three years and he put all this time in education and, and cultivated them and everything. And I'm like, you gave him a paycheck. If you were really good, you gave him a culture to be in for a minute. You do not own them. And the fact that you can't keep them around is a failing of you, not them. We have an environment in our dev team that I bring in um, underqualified talent usually never went to college, but have a super big passion for coding. Mm -hmm. And then I train the shit out of them for two years while they're working for me. And uh, so they're getting paid for an education that's better than the college education they get because they're serving their passion. And yeah, in four years, they might go somewhere else. That's happened two times um, out of the like nine engineers we have, right? Because we build fierce loyalty most of the time. But I'll take it. I'll, I'll happily guide them out. And in a couple cases in our marketing department, we build entrepreneurs, people who come to us eventually and say, hey, I'm thinking about going part time so I can do this on my own. And I'm like, love it, brother. Welcome to part time. Um, you know, we serve our employees. We want to make them the best of them that they can. And it improves the business when they're educated in the areas that we serve. And so why wouldn't you do that? Even if they were to leave, so what? It's a cost of doing business. Well, and, and just imagine the, uh, the opposite being true. Um, you know, if you don't train them, what's going to happen? You're, you're always going to be putting out fires. You're, always, you're, you're the bottleneck, <laughs> right. right? So, so you, get, you get to pick your poison. One of them inevitably leads to a workplace that you and the people there love to come to. And the other one inevitably leads to a race to mediocrity. You know, they will do just enough to avoid being fired and you will pay them just enough to avoid them quitting. And when you're in Hell's Valley with all this, you're looking at a sunk business. And that and to me, that is that period of time when you're a single owner operator, when you're self-employed, you rule the roost. You start to get a couple people and, you know, maybe your first assistant gets a little easier, but starting to get three or four people, six, seven, it's a nightmare. You're less profitable. Uh, it's hard to manage. It's hard to put the systems in place. You've got, you know, people get sick and then there's uh, gaps in workload until you hit eight or nine employees. Um, does that start to level out? But in that hell's Valley, man, if you're not doing everything you can do to hedge your bet through hell's Valley, you are, you are asking to shut down or go back to a single owner operator. Indeed. Yeah. It's uh, I, I've never heard it put quite like that. Hell's Valley. But uh, if you've like you said, if you've ever gotten through that point where you have three, four, five, six employees, that's uh, that's a great descriptor of that. And if you're not looking at these people as being your future freedom, in other words, these are the people who are going to take the load off of your back. These are the people who are going to absolutely run the business, then you, you're you're going to stay in that valley for a long time. 
especially especially those first few hires, right? Because they, if you do it right, can serve the foundation for your growth and culture. Indeed. What's next, brother? Well, the next is educate. And, and a lot of people uh, might think that educate and train are the same thing. But I'm looking at this from the perspective of educating your community, educating your clients, educating your prospects. In other words, right now is a chance for you to educate them. They're all, you know, yeah, they got their head in the COVID thing, but a lot of people are sick and tired of just sitting around reading about that. So if you could educate them about here are some things that you can do when you go back uh, to work. Here are some things that you can do, uh, you know, to, to help keep your uh, home cleaner and safer, you know, during this break. Here are some things you can do to avoid uh, some of the pitfalls of, uh, you know, uh, people coming back into your, your building or your facility. So the, the, the cool thing is the information is out there. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to work at CDC to get the information that the CDC has for this. Um, it's kind of like, you know, are you are you watching, uh, cat, you know, cat videos? Or are you watching COVID reports? Uh, are you just, you know, streaming CNN constantly or Fox News or whatever it is? Or are you actively seeking out information that you can then use to help your clients and then sharing it with them? Well, and you know, you just entered my wheelhouse, right? Um, but before I jump on that, the difference between training and education, I think I just want to re-emphasize. Training is internal. It's about what the internal organization knows and how it can execute process. Education is external. This is what the company's projecting. And this is positioning you as an authority. Now, again, welcome to the digital era. And I know... Bruce, you were dragging your feet quite a bit, man. You've been, I've been trying to drag you into this whole game since 2015. So yep. um, now, now here is an interesting pivot. We have, um, you know, IICRC now approving online education, which I know you're, um, you just got approved for your WRT class, right? Yeah, actually WRT, carpet cleaning technician, upholstery cleaning technician, fire and smoke restoration, odor control technician. So those are the uh, the ones that um, that we're currently approved for. Very good. So my point, my larger point here, though, is that even if you were resistant before, um, you have time and you have this amazing resource available to you to become an authority figure in your community. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be about COVID. It could be about the services that you do, how you train, your special sauce. You could be... Um, you know, a blogger, uh, you could, if you, if you write fairly well, you could garner attention on Facebook with some maybe long form posts, see AKA entree Joe, just turn that into something you can do for your community. Um, you could be on Instagram sharing, you know, pictures and how to's you could be on YouTube recording videos and talking about, you know, anything that your target demographic in your local community might find of value. And if you can do that with something that either you're very passionate about and or something that relates directly to your business and start to garner that attention, that will be extremely valuable skill for you to build moving forward. Absolutely. And um, that's the thing is uh, even when, you know, when I'm teaching class, I, you know, I, I ask people, hey, how many in, in this room would like to make more money? And of course, inevitably, just about everybody's hands go up. Uh, and then I tell them, well, you can't, 
make any more money. It's not possible. And then, of course, you see the sullen look on their faces. You know, they think I'm attacking their industry or their ability. And then I say, unless you learn something new and then you go out and apply it in a manner that's valuable to other people, that they're willing to pay you more money. You're making as much money now as you can with what you already know. And if you want to make more money, then you got to know more. No more. That's right. <laughs> Durr. <Yeah. laughs> but you know what's interesting is sometimes the need to know more is the knowing that they don't have. That's true. That's absolutely true. If you can unpack that. <laughs> no, I can. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is um, I think the, the best the best use of your intellect is to compare what you think you know with uh, what you don't know and be willing to, oh my God. be willing to admit that what you don't know is infinitely greater and half of what you think you know is probably flawed. Oh, Bruce, I love you. This, um, man, I have been so hard on this formal logic kick. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's seriously, your, and the best use of your intellect is what you said. That is so beautiful. Because I absolutely believe that to the core of my being, being a scientist for the last 25 years, where it's the only profession in the world where you can win the biggest prize by proving yourself wrong. <laughs> you must be a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, hell yeah, I am. Neil's amazing. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the real deal. And so checking your own biases, assuming that you're wrong, challenging your beliefs on a regular basis. Everyone go look up the word epistemology. It is a basic system, your system of belief. How do you come to know things are true? And this is ties in directly with a formal logic, which there's tons of YouTube videos and books on it. I would strongly suggest anybody who hasn't really dived into uh, formal logic studies to do so. Um, and, and that's where you're going to get the tools and skill sets required to challenge your beliefs and your system and what you think is true. And man, like Bruce said, that is the best use of the human intellect. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I uh, uh, I'm always critical of, of, uh, even my own beliefs and, you know, some people see it as being almost, um, as a weakness to not be able to establish a position and then defend it uh, to the death. Um, yeah, I don't know. is a perfectly reasonable answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people, people, people have seemed to be hung up on that. Well, if you don't know, you must assert something. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, educate. So educate yourself, educate your customers um, and become a trusted expert. And one of the ways that you do that, uh, like you said, is is through learning, which I, you know, kind of put near the top of the list anyway. Brilliant. What's next? The letter R. This is the one, this is where too many people fail. This is the one where um, defeat comes in and kicks them in the guts. And then, uh, so when I talk to them the following week, um, you know, you can hear it in their voices. Uh, I tried that. I did this. I did that. So you want to guess what the letter R is? Rexecution? <laughs> <laughs> I think that happened to me once. It was painful. <laughs> no. No, it's uh, it's repeat. 
Ah, yes. Rinse and repeat. Repeat. So in other words, here, here's what I get. Oh, yeah, I sent a postcard out. It didn't work. Uh, hey, <laughs> I did a newsletter. It didn't work. Uh, you know, I trained my guys and, and told them how to do it, and they, they, they just don't do it. I did. Well, you got to keep it up. You can't just inspire somebody once. You can't just serve somebody once. You can't just train somebody once. You can't just educate your customers one time. You can't just coach a person one time. You got to keep doing it. And that's where a lot of people, they fall off because they get tired of doing it. Again, humans are pattern recognition machines. Consistency is an amazingly powerful tool. One of the best digital media marketers on the planet says, if you're going to become an authority in the uh, digital social space, then don't look at likes and subscribes for two years. Just keep cranking out content. And so it's exactly the same thing with anything else. If you send out one postcard, you're looking for your um, offer to intersect with their problem. And that's just dumb because their problem may or may not exist. No one is going to call you when they're standing on clean carpet. What you have to do is become top of mind. You've got to put your brand in front of them enough times to make your products and services synonymous with your company. And when you do that, they will call you when they have a problem, which is why um, becoming an expert is so critical because you can stay in front of them and keep their attention through the distribution of educational and valuable content. And then when they have a problem of services that you provide, guess what? They will happily call you. I think the, not only will they happily call you, it will be a knee-jerk reaction. They don't yeah, know they'll emotionally call. call you. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's, it's um, you know, what? why do people think uh, that, that uh, you know, people who are on Facebook a lot and assert things over and over and over again, why do they think that they're experts? It's because they – Yeah, because they keep saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> That's it. And, uh, and, and like you said – you know, the social media is an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Like you said, humans, hey, you tell somebody something enough times over and over again. And unless they have, uh, unless they either critically analyze it or they have a much stronger input from, uh, you know, from a differing opinion, that opinion becomes the de facto truth in their mind. And it happens subconsciously. They don't even think about it. Yeah, I've been diving into neuro- neurology lately because I finished physics. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it is amazing how hardwired we are to this. I mean, this is a fundamental fact of the human spirit is our pattern recognition. It is what's kept us alive and fed and reproducing. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's hardwired in and you can't change it. And there's new fMRI data for scans on the brain that demonstrate your brain makes the decision before your conscious is aware of it. Yeah. Your conscious is only surfacing the decision that your amygdala who controls your uh, reality, which it's making up shit half the time. Um, any optical illusion tests will show you that. Um, it, it's you know, it's giving you false information. So it's just very cool to me to, to, to look at that and go, okay, all right, now I know that. We don't see reality objectively. 
okay, so now I got to start looking at sources that can help me fill the gaps. Right. It's And that's the thing is uh, a critical analysis of your beliefs will inevitably lead to either A, a clarification of those beliefs, which that can't be bad, or B, in many cases, a, a rejection of some of those beliefs that are not, you know, self-serving. Um, it's, it's, it's asking questions. But if we could just bring this down, because you and I are having a good time with on the philosophy thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if we could just bring this down to something where, where people, you know, uh, actionable steps. Um, man, me. well, uh, focus on your people. There's a saying, and I don't know who said it. Uh, I think it might have been Zig Ziglar. He's one of my faves. But uh, he said, um, you don't build a company. You build people and your people build the company. So rather than being afraid, and there's a couple of reasons uh, that this is an awesome opportunity, rather than being afraid of investing in your people and, and continuing to pay them and starting to think about layoffs and stuff, um, try to keep them on, pay them to learn, pay them to organize, pay them to help you grow the business during this time if you're slow. And don't forget that the, that the United States government, if you need it, is actually making loans to small businesses so that we can keep people employed. It's the, uh, I think it's called the Paycheck Protection Act or something like that. And it's part of this emergency uh, stimulus package called the CARES package. So if you're, if you're a business owner and you think that you're going to have to close the doors because you can't afford to pay your people, um, I urge you to look into what the, the CARES package, it's C-A-R-E-S. I urge you to look into it. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, that you probably are uh, eligible for. And the beauty of this, and, and before we started the podcast, Joe, you said that you're, you know, you have this. Uh, uh, I'm allergic to loans. You're, you're allergic to loans. Uh, but this is one of those situations where if they follow the right, the rules of the loan, which is basically you bring your people back, uh, you keep them working, you keep them paid, um, you know, two and a half times your one month uh, expenditure on, on, um, a payroll uh, can be loaned to that company, okay? And then if you maintain for, and I, I can't remember the exact period, but if you maintain that, uh, then the loans can be forgiven. And that's the kind of loan I like. There's a lot of hoops that you want to make sure. So you get your data and make sure it's the right decision for you. Definitely. But it is a tool that you can use um, if you're willing to check those boxes off. And then on the other side of that, if you've got the cash or you can acquire the cash to keep your doors open and train your people, man, this opportunity is amazing because don't let them sit around. Get on Facebook Workplace. It's amazing. That's where we landed. And we tried all kinds of different chat and, and community tools and uh, build yourself a virtual office and get, get them back to work. Yeah, I love it. And you know what's so cool is that a lot of your employees, uh, whether they're frontline employees or office employees, they have these other skills and interests. Um, just imagine if you figured out what those were and you tried to uh, incorporate those into your uh, your growth strategy. That's so good. Let me give an example because I, I have, you know, I do this in my company. We had a card stuffer at one point, found out he liked to do video. Uh, took him on a trade show and he followed me around with the camera. Uh, we did 
three five-minute clips. They each got over 250,000 views. I said, you're a videographer now. <laughs> I remember that guy. That, that's right. Justin, he's that beast. Yeah, he's The big so fuzzy guy. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> and he's, so, he's weird because he can disappear even though he's Sasquatch. It's just odd. Um, <laughs> holding that camera, he just totally goes away. Uh, yeah, so if, imagine if you had a couple people on your payroll who maybe one is a YouTuber for fun or, you know, um, maybe one likes to write, guess what? They can start helping you put together this authority content. Um, and so there's all kinds of things you can leverage and not just that, but, you know, sit down with them, have a chat, say, what are you interested in? What can we use uh, of you that the company can benefit from at this time that will be both fun and, and educational for you and beneficial to the company. I think that would be an amazing conversation to have with each one of your people. And it's one that no one expects. Oh, they love it. They absolutely love it. And it breeds loyalty. Yeah. Well, man, that's all I got. I mean, that's a good 50 minutes, man. That's, um, and, and, you know, we're both, <laughs> philosophers in in business which is fairly rare a lot of people just regurgitate what they've heard from other people i i have always appreciated your more unique perspective which is why i always try dragging you into social uh, now you don't have a choice <laughs> yeah well there you have that so that's right there you go well in the same thing with uh, service monster i didn't really want to be virtual um, I lost a, a developer and it woke me up to that they wanted to be able to work from home on occasion. We had a couple bad snowstorms uh, five years ago, so we made sure our agents could log in remotely if they had to. But I was dragging my feet. <clears throat> two weeks before we live in Washington, right, um, just north of Seattle, two weeks before Ensley shut us down, um, I had already gone virtual except for our card facility. Um, and so it just forced that hand and now we're more efficient. Communication is faster. Um, we're serving each other better, quicker. So I'm very, I'm very excited by the future of where we're at. Um, but yeah, I'm very apprehensive, very taking it seriously, very aware that, that businesses don't have the luxuries, uh, that we do. So we're privileged in that aspect that we can stay open and operational to serve those who are serving the community. Um, so I'm, I'm proud of that, but yeah, it's a, it's a thing, man. And, uh, I appreciate your taking the time to come chat with us and provide some adjustments to the mentality of our brethren here. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the, the last thing, uh, that I would ever want to do is tell somebody how to run their business because, Every person is different. Um, every business is different. And the, even the sectors that they serve have different needs. So to say that there's a one size fits all uh, is ludicrous. Um, but if anyone would like to, to reach out and, you know, uh, chat with me or something like that, I mean, I do all of that for free. You know, if, you, if, if there's something I can help you with in 10 or 15, 20 minutes, I'm happy to talk. And Bruce is super accessible uh, all over the place there and and he's right like in no case would i ever um tell somebody what decisions to make about their business i don't put food on your table and i do not live in your community so those decisions are very hard and personal what we can do though is say trust the science and the medical community what we can say is don't lay down if you are at home or if you forced to make some hard decisions take that as an opportunity to reinvent yourself 
pivot, rebirth, be a Phoenix. Uh, now's the time for real change. And I would embrace it, not hunker down for it. Any final words, Bruce? Not really. I think, uh, I think we've covered, uh, all the bases here that we wanted to talk about. Well, thank you so much for your time. And ladies and gentlemen, stay safe out there and, uh, let's trust the science, huh? I'll wash your hands. <laughs> you know, I was not washing my hands properly. That doesn't surprise me. That explains a few things. Yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> Go, I watched that video on the ink washing and I went, oh, damn. That was awesome. Now it everybody's going to have to look that up. Yeah, we'll post a link in the show notes. Thanks, guys. Ciao, brother. You've been listening to The Cleaning Podcast. Send all of your cleaning questions to thecleaningpodcast at servicemonster.net and be sure to subscribe to the show special thanks to our expert today and remember if they could clean it themselves they wouldn't need an expert like you